Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the bootcamp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. And Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. I have both both Bobs with me today, uh, which is always a wonderful thing to have as many good Bobs in your life as you can. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, we'll just go with it. <laughs> Jimbo, I'm just glad to be here. I'm a little road weary for moving my daughter into college, her new apartment yesterday. And Jimbo, I, I think I miss my calling in life to invest in real estate in the college location. Man, college apartments are a cash cow, bro. Yeah, man. It's uh I could I could see Bob Bickford, the landlord, just keeping those kids in line, drug <laughs> testing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may or may not have smelled some herbal incense, if you know what I mean, uh, Jimbo, <laughs> yesterday when we were moving some folks in. So apparently, I guess. All you have to do these days, you have to get some kind of medical card and then you can, you know, as you formerly would know, Jimbo, I guess, maybe you, I don't know what you call smoking <laughs> weed, but I, what do they call What do the kids call it these days? I don't know what they call it these days. It's been a long time since I have partaken of the cannabis, but uh, <laughs> we just call, we called it smoking weed, uh, okay. smoking a joint, smoking a doobie, rolling a fat one. All if right. you got real big, it was a blunt, but past that. That was a long time ago, uh, and pre-Jesus, no yeah, yeah, kind of pre-Jesus, and certainly pre-Nam. So <laughs> very, not, very. We're not Jesus and pre-Nam. Yeah, we're not endorsing that. Yes, and pre-Audria. <laughs> Man, we took a we took a turn and went off in the ditch. I think Jimbo. We yeah, we go. probably need to write this back and and get back on the right direction today. We've got a great guest with us today. The other influential Bob in my life, Bob Bumgarner. Grateful to have him as we continue to talk about servant leadership. When it comes to servant leadership, there are very, very few who have thought through it as much and talked about it as much as Bob Bumgarner. And so, man, I'm excited to have him on with us today. Bob is the lead missional strategist for First Coast Churches, formerly known as Jacksonville Baptist Association. And with a with a great kind of is it called our thread? I guess it's the thread. Yes, that's our thread. The yep. motto, slogan, the thread of don't pastor alone. Everybody's loving to see and hear what we're getting with that. We even mentioned it in our last episode. Last episode, Bob Bigford and I kind of just dipped our toes into an understanding of servant leadership, what it is. And a lot of this came, Bum Garner, from a presentation that you sent me that I was looking at and I was I was really fascinated with a lot of things you have in there. We kind of just dove into the first question out of a three-legged stool that you have. The first question we dove into just a little bit was, who is God shaping me to be kind of the, the personal side of it? This is part of a, a graphic you've come up with, a, an illustration that we'll add it to our show notes of a three-legged stool. Walk us just a little bit into like, what are the three legs of that stool and why do, why do they each matter? Yeah. So one of the things I found in as I worked with leaders, whether they were young leaders or leaders that had a little bit more experience, is people were always trying to figure out, how do I get better at, at leading? And so through some research and through conversations with folks, the thing that I discovered is that all of us have a leadership platform. And what I mean by that is we 
nobody hears us in a vacuum. They hear us based on who we believe, based on who we are, what direction we think we're going, and how we treat people. So I, I call it the the person, people, purpose, three-legged stool. And, and so if you think about a three-legged stool, the power of the illustration is that with the three-legged stool, if one of the legs is shorter or missing, the stool becomes ineffective or less effective. And so you, we have to know who we are as a leader. We have to know how to value the people around us. And we need to know what God is calling both of us to do. So I, I actually think the three legs represent the Great Commission. You know, loving God, my purpose— loving my neighbor, loving those around me and treating them with respect and then valuing myself or at least being self-aware of how I impact those I lead. I love this, this how you break it down in a simplistic form or fashion. And I, I think when you when you are just thinking about the categories of leadership in terms of personal people and, and purpose, those sorts of things, did you have to narrow that down from like, you know, John Maxwell has like 21 irrefutable <laughs> laws of leadership and all of these others. <laughs> Like, how did you get it so boiled down to just kind of the essentials? Well, for me, two things I'm always trying to do with leaders is I'm trying to create hope and a next step. And I'm not saying 21 in, in laws is bad at all. I'm saying I get overwhelmed with that. It might not make me hopeful. And so, and, and really, it, it all stemmed from me from Psalm 78, 70 through 72, you know, where it says he chose David and took him from the sheepfolds following the nursing ewes and brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. And then this little phrase, this this dual statement, and he shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand. And so I, I saw those two things, and I don't know why that th- those things came out, but it, it really had a real great commission correlation with me, but because it seemed like um, skill or integrity of heart really deals with character, and skillfulness of hand deals with competence. And so competence is what you do on your platform, Character is what you actually build your platform on. So it's not, it, they're interdependent. You, you really can't, I mean, somebody with competence who's a jerk is just not still follow worthy. When Greenleaf did his research in the 60s and came out with servant leadership, he was really not just trying to be nice. He was discovering that people will give you, that you could pay people for their hands and their head. But if you wanted their heart, and their volunteer attitude, you had to treat them differently. And so even though I'm not sure that Greenleaf was a believer, he really tapped into a biblical stream, if you will, when he tapped into the idea of servant leadership and how to treat those that are around you. With these three legs of the stool, personal, people, purpose, how do you know when one of those is unlevel and what would be the implications of you know an unsturdy platform that you, you're built on? I, I think you you know internally if you're self-aware whether or not you're speaking if you're overshooting the runway or if you are you know say if you're preaching cream and living skim milk you, you see you know what that what that is loving people you I, I mean the idea here is and I can go deeper into this but, but are you using people or are you developing people Machiavelli is the one who said it, the ends justify the means Jesus never said that and so you know alignment with what we're actually trying to do of building people is important. And so I think for me, like I, I know I'm off kilter when, when I start feeling like the owner of things instead of the a steward of things. Hmm. When I, when I feel like the team is mine, when I, when I fear losing position more than disappointing the father, you know, you know, in other words, 
do I really want First Coast churches to be great because I want to be known as Bob did a great thing? Or am I really trying to please the Father as I do that? I, I think you can tell, well, to me, the greatest indication that your, your stool is not in a good place is how you receive feedback or don't receive feedback. Are you threatened by feedback? Or is it, it, does it help you grow? Are you, do you feel challenged with that? You know, one of the things that, you know, you think scripturally, John the Baptist, think about being him and, and him saying that he must decrease and Jesus must increase. I, I think that generationally, I think without a servant leadership heart, you're always suspicious of somebody that works on your team who happens to be as, you know, who happens to be good at what they do. You, you know, you find yourself being people or those kinds of things. And so to me, those are some things, maybe not exhaustive, but those are some things that I think would be a, a part of how I can tell if I'm off kilter or not. When someone's looking at developing in these particular areas, you know, I've seen, I've seen a similar paradigm where you're talking about leading self, leading others, leading organizations, where there's this progressive nature of leadership that you learn as it applies to your life. Right. Leadership of a few and then leadership of quite a few. This is a little different in the sense that it, it has leadership, it has self, it has people, but it also has a spiritual component. Is there a linear path of development or is it just like this circular, you're learning lessons in every single one of these all of the time and you're building really from the ground up rather than it's a, you know, kind of a linear one, two, three, or how would you unpack that for a young leader as they're thinking about it? So you've got this platform that you're standing on and you're, you're always doing three things. You're always shaping direction. You're always trying to generate commitment and you're always facilitating change. Mm -hmm. Think about this for just a second. So Jesus, with just a few of his disciples in Matthew chapter four, says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I think what Jesus does there is he fuses the great commandment and the great commission together. And so in so he sets a direction. Currently, you're doing this. But if you follow me, you're going to do that. He generates commitment by by telling them what what will happen if they follow him, how it how it works. And then he actually spends the gospels facilitating the change of those of those men. And so what I would say is the setting direction, generating commitment and facilitating change, Bob, it happens, yes, at an individual level. And there's there are certain things you do with individuals with that. But it also that's what you're doing for a team as well. And then when you're working with a, a, an organization with like team of teams, you're still setting direction, generating commitment, facilitating change. And, and those mean very specific things for me. So to me, setting direction means you're initiating the pursuit of purpose. What's next? If we're going to accomplish the mission, I mean, even in your replant team, what's next? That's, a, that's the direction. And then you have to rank order those priorities. Somebody who's the leader or the directional team, they need to establish what those priorities are. That's what direction is. And then generating commitment means... You have to have both a challenging and a supportive environment. You you know this. If if you have really sharp people, they want a big challenge. They want to be set free to be able to pursue. They don't want to be micro. They don't want to be micromanaged. And then facilitating change really is, it, it's really the process of implementing and then evaluating and then adjusting. And you just do that over and over again. So that that's why I think three things is really helpful. What, hey, Bob, what do you do on any given day? Man, I can. Sh I'm, I am shaping direction every day. I am generating commitment toward the purpose every day. I'm facilitating change every day. And how am I? How am I undergirding that? Well, I'm taking care of myself. I'm staying in alignment with those people around me, being self-aware, staying on God's mission. All right. So talk to us. Break down those three at the base there: the personal, who is God, 
shaping me to be people? How am I leading those God has given to me in purpose? What is God calling me to do? How does a listener who's listening to this going, okay, let's start. Is, is that we would start there? What are good questions, resources, ways for actionable steps for someone to go, okay, this is how I'm going to work on my three legs of the stool? So I think you would, I, I would, I think you'd start by taking an assessment, like a DISC assessment or Myers-Briggs or whatever, something to allow you to ask the question, how does who I am affect the room when I walk in? Do, I mean, I'm a high I with a secondary D and, and it wasn't until later in my life that I realized that if I'm not careful, I think I'm the smartest person in the room every time I walk in. And so I've got to actually modulate that. I've got to actually, so for me, I speak last, especially if I'm the leader. One of the things that I that I also know to be true is that people buy into me as the leader before they buy into purpose. So they they judge the purpose based on how much self-awareness they see in me. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to under-spiritualize this, but reading the Word, being in a, a group with somebody who, who, like, who's your truth teller? Who can tell you the, the truth about what's going on, what they see? in your life. That's really the integrity. I think that is the integrity piece. Bob, when you think of the leadership landscape and we look at the recent history, maybe uh, the last five to 10 years, what do you think is the most lacking in terms of leadership? If you were to look at just leaders across our denomination, maybe leaders that, you know, what's lacking and then how did, how did it go missing? I think what the, the most recent days show us is we have overemphasized competence and we've underemphasized character. And I think we've done that because character is so much harder to measure. And we like, we like the fruit. We, you know, we like to see things. And, and, and please don't hear what I'm not saying. I think Jesus wants us to work hard. Uh, I, th- I think that he, uh, I mean, I think anything that you would die for, <laughs> he, you know, that, that this isn't a pass to get out of jail free card, but, but I do think we've underemphasized character. I think we've, I think we've underemphasized relationship. And the reason, I mean, for instance, I, I think when you think about don't pastor alone, what does that mean? I think it means that I need people. I need relationships. I need reciprocal relationships so that I can be a human being and not just a minister. I think it means that I need a tribe. And I don't think my tribe and my reciprocal relationships are always the same thing. I, I mean, I need, I need to know, my identity comes out of something. And um, the research that I'm doing is showing that character development is led by my identity. It, in other words, I know the kind of person I am, so I behave out of that. I need wisdom. So I, I think that there's been this, I think America believes in the great man. <laughs> and I think that, I think we're looking for a savior. I mean, and I think we, on the pulpit, I think we say it's Jesus. And I think we mean that. But I think when it comes to our own individual ministries, we hope that Jesus will help us be the, the, the great man where we are. And I just, I don't think that that's what God intended. And I think we're reaping the fruit of that. And, and some of the men that are experiencing really difficult times have poured into me personally. I mean, it, that doesn't underestimate, I mean, that doesn't undervalue what they did. It just means that nobody, you are not the exception. Character, it matters. David had integrity of heart. And, and I love that because David was such a mixed bag, right? <laughs> I mean, and yet he was, a, a, you know, one of the things that, one of the other reasons, if I can loop back for just a second, that I go back to the three-legged stool is because I think if we're not careful, we think our platform is static and not dynamic. My platform of leadership next week could crash 
if I do stupid stuff. Mm. Yeah. And, and the, one of the things that I don't like about when I had younger kids, I have kids that are in their thirties now and I love that. But one of the things that I had when I was kids underfoot, I had the constant reminder that dad, you're human. Hmm. You just showed out in a bad way for your 10 year old. I mean, I actually appreciated that. I that, that accountability, but I, and so I, I believe we need to remind each other that our platform is a dynamic platform. Someone has said that people, it's not a matter of people trusting you or not trusting you. They trust you to do what you always do. And, and so if you're, if you're always unaware, they trust you to be unaware. And that's, that's not a good thing. We talked about in last week's episode a little bit of the difference that you, you brought out in this presentation of authority and power. How does that relate to some of what you're talking about right now? For, for me, the idea of that I have to be self-aware and I need to love people and I need to love God, that's kind of the governor on my power switch. One of the things that, that, that I learned early in parenting, uh, when my kids were actually getting into middle school, I realized that if I didn't shift how I parented, if I was a power parent and depended on power instead of authority and influence, that ultimately I was not going to be able to lead my kids well when they were adults. And so I remember the year, it was 2004. In 2004, Tina and I switched <laughs> to a coaching model with our kids. It, didn't, it doesn't mean we didn't have rules, but we, but we switched away from the power model. And listen, there are times when power is... I mean, I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus, he he told some people, "Get behind me, Satan." I mean, you know, he called. He there were times when he stepped into his authority. I mean, not his power. And so, I'm not saying to me the difference between power and authority are your motives. Now, I have been a part of a big of big churches and small churches, and I can tell you. I've used power wrongly in both of those situations. <laughs> so it's not a big church thing and it's not a small church thing. It's a Bob thing. And, and when I'm trying to control things that I can't control, a lot of times power is where I will, uh, I will come back. I will come back to. And so I, I really think the whole influence piece is, is this has a way of keeping us influencing instead of using power. <laughs> Jimbo has used power tools in a wrong way, Bob. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Just, just ask him about a chainsaw sometime. <laughs> I heard that on some previous, on some previous <laughs> That's probably one of the, my favorite all-time boot campers. Oh, yeah. I, look, I was in Colorado not long ago for the, the non-ignorable conference with the Calvary family of churches. And one night, and Bumgarner was there. We're sitting around a campfire at Jeff DeClue's house in his backyard. And one of our faithful listeners was was there, and, and he— <laughs> around the campfire, he goes, all right, I got to hear the chainsaw story in person. <laughs> like he, he goes, I've, I've listened to the episode. I just, I need to hear it in person. Right. And, and so he tapped the guy next to him. He's like, you got to hear this one. You got to. Hey, Bob, you in, in, in the previous episode, you talked to, you asked permission to use a sports metaphor. So let me ask permission to use a sports metaphor for the three competencies for just a second. And maybe, maybe this will help. Absolutely. Shaping direction is really designing the scorecard. It's really saying, what are those goals? You know, golf could really be played with one hole, right? Just a really long golf course with one hole, (laughs) but it wouldn't be nearly as fun. So there's a scorecard. You keep scoring at all the places. But then generating commitment is really thinking of it this way, helping people want to score. 
That's that. So in other words, helping people see who they are in the body of Christ, helping them want to score. I'll actually say this. I actually think Jimbo has a superpower as it relates to this on our team. I think he is super gifted at helping people want to score. And then the third thing on facilitating change, it's making scoring possible. I mean, really, that's what this is really saying. Out of your integrity, out of your alignment of people, out of purpose, how do we create a scorecard where people want to score? And then as the leader, we remove the obstacles that keep them from scoring. I mean, honestly, think about this for a second. Isn't that the secret to revitalization? I mean, think about all the things that keep people from scoring. And when you sit in a room of people that have been in a dead church for a long time, they don't want to score anymore. I mean, they, they, they it's been beaten out of them It's or whatever, whatever the reason is that, that, that desire. They don't know if they can score anymore. And so being able to give people hope and a next step, in other words, when you shape direction, it doesn't have to be a 90-day direction. It doesn't have to be a year direction or a three-year direction. Sometimes um, helping a pastor take the next seven days with hope is a is a win. Yeah, that's really good. I think cha- changing the scorecard, removing the roadblocks, helping people see that they can actually get engaged in mission. They can start moving forward, loving people. The church can get healthy again, I think is, is really good. One, one last question that I would have is, before we jumped on to record, you were talking about the difference between being nice and being a leader. And I don't know there's a, I don't know that you put those two necessarily in opposition to one another, but a lot of declined churches want a nice pastor who does nice things. They don't want a leader. Can you speak to that reality of, does scripture ask us to be nice or where do we get that idea? And then how do we unpack that as as a leader that wants to help the church move forward? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. One of the humorous things that I think everybody ought to do, especially if you're a leader, is to read through the gospels with the perspective, what is it that a servant leader can say to his people? <laughs> and, oh. and Jesus, Jesus said some pretty straight up stuff. And yes. I, here's the deal. You're not Jesus, so be careful. But at the same time, not being, uh, I think it was Bill Eason a long time ago said, not being nice for the sake of the gospel. The, it really, most churches that are ineffective, it's because, uh, I can't say that. Sometimes it's because we've been too nice. We've not been mean about the vision. We've not been mean yep. about, the, about the mission. And, we, and we've actually experienced mission drift or mission creep because we weren't stubborn, you know, about disciple making. So what I would say is, B, know what the direction is that that you need to take, like making disciples. That's the goal. Making disciples. That's the Great Commission. But making them in such a way that you still love God, still love people, and you still are self-aware. I mean, think this is the way that I like to look at it. You've got the great com- you've got the great commandment telling us to make disciples of all nations. And then you have Acts chapter one, that's kind of the tactical strategy of that. You know, do it here, here, and here. And so I think there's structure when it comes to it. I think that, you know, to, to your to your point, nice, it's always right to be polite. It's always right to be kind. It's not right to be off of mission. And however, however you wrestle that to the ground is the answer. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think about it like when we have coached or consulted with churches, especially entering into like a fostering relationship, and they begin to write down the the terms of what that agreement and partnership would look like. There's always a temptation to be overly nice, and so one of the things we've said is be so clear that there is pushback. Like if if there's no pushback, you haven't been clear enough. 
And it was probably is out of a desire to be kind that you haven't been clear enough, but you need to be clear in order to make sure we move in the right direction. Yeah, I would actually say, Jimbo, if you've been clear enough and there's if you've been clear and there's no conflict in the room, you need to go back and be clearer. (laughs) because clarity always brings conflict before. And by conflict, I don't mean open warfare. It means somebody's going to ask the question. So you mean this? Yep. That's what we mean. Yeah. I mean, Jimbo does it well when we do our 904 prep process and he says, Hey, if, if it turned out that you had to sell your building, would you be willing to do that? Well, that's clear. Um, and it, it always generates a, a, an interesting response, but it's still, it's a great question for clarity. Hey, Bob, it's been great to have you on here with the other, with the other Bob. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here. You know, we, uh, are always grateful to be graced by the presence of two great Bobs. <laughs> so, Hey, listeners, don't forget to share this. If it's been helpful, send us questions. If you've got them, try out our fancy new search bar. If you want to look and find things that we've talked about or favorite recipes, and we'd love to see you. Hopefully, we'll get to see you in person at the summit. By the time this comes out, registration will already be closed, but we know that many of you are already coming, and we hope to see you in person. If you are there, come introduce yourself to us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.